listening to episode 46 of Daisy Geek Girls. I'm Swapna Krishna. And I'm Preeti Chipper, and we are recording on Friday, June 26, 2020. I would say, yay, it's Friday, but time has no meaning anymore. Yeah, time doesn't mean anything, and... Weekdays don't mean anything. We've all been inside for four months, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It does feel like a little bit, like, just losing it. In yeah. every sense of the word. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, this week has been terrible, but then when has it not? It right. Is, you know what I mean? Like, it's like there's no, it's hard. I, I feel like we're starting to just begin to understand that we have to be able to function without considering the future mm-hmm. because it's just day to day. I think also people, which is something that I feel like you and I have acknowledged for months and months now people are just general public are starting to realize that a vaccine isn't coming anytime soon mm-hmm. we have to and like this is our to... new normal like masks and like if we want any semblance of normal like we like wear a mask wear your mask i know everybody listening to this is wearing their mask if you're listening to this podcast you're wearing your mask but that being said please wear your mask um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's all so much. And that's part of why, um, we wanted to record just because everything is a lot and there's a lot going on in a lot of many of the different communities you and I are a part of. And so we just wanted to bring some joy into yeah the week. Because a little, it's a little bit of fun and, mm-hmm. and hope and happiness. Yes. Uh, speaking of fun and hope and happiness, I had the great joy of guesting on a podcast called Newcomers with uh, Nicole Byer and Lauren Lapkus, which is all about how they are watching all of the Star Wars for the first time, these two amazing comedians. And I was I was pretty nervous because I was coming on for the Clone Wars episode. Yeah. <laughs> And now, mind you, like, they have a single episode. They So they had, like, I think it was six episodes to kind of grasp all of Clone Wars. And I get this email that's like, okay, these are the episodes they're watching. And it was basically the first two episodes of the series ever, and then the last four episodes. And I was like, no, 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 no. We can't do that. You don't even get a Sokotano in those first two episodes. So we did, like, uh, two heavy Ahsoka episodes. The... What, the uh siege on on ryloth i think or or flying over ryloth where it's pretty early on and then uh the second the the last piece of her arc before she leaves the jedi order and it was just they they did amazing for not having any other context for clone wars they didn't even know rebels was a thing it was a really really fun silly conversation and just brought back the sheer fun of star wars which is really nice um but we will sh- we'll link to that in the show notes check it out they are both i spend most of it laughing like and you've gotten some really really genuinely sweet feedback from yes them. it was wild i've never in my life received like unsolicited nice emails about something i said on a podcast ever and i've gotten yeah. two based on this appearance alone from random people in the country and not like gross or leering just like thanks this was a really fun thing for me to listen to and i'm really glad i found you and i was like oh my that's so like that's so nice like it's just so genuine like we all know people take time out of their day to tell you they think you're a piece of shit yep but like (laughs) like somebody 
yeah, like, so somebody taking time out of the day to just be like, you are nice, and I like you, and thank you for doing this. Like, what is that? Like, I, I mean, it, it was nice because I try to be vocal about when I like things because I think it's important for all of yeah. us to, like, really put that positivity out in the world because people are so ready to be negative. Um, but this was a step further where it inspired me where I was like, I'm going to start, like, I'll send a note if there was something I really, really enjoyed. I will send a specific, like, email or something because there's yeah because usually like i i tweet about i tweet like praise and stuff like that but like there is something so personal and taking the time to send an email so that's a thing i'm gonna try to do more yeah i it like was, that it's very inspirational so thank you thank you friends for inspiring that yay that's so sweet uh all right so now for something you are very very excited i'm about. very excited about it. okay so i think i probably talked about on this podcast how much i love the original pirates of the caribbean trilogy um, and given with all the disclaimers that I think, um, that I, I think Jeffrey rushes and we all know Johnny Depp are terrible, terrible, terrible human beings. So with all those disclaimers, these are one of just my problematic faves. Like I love this trilogy. They are comfort watches for me. Like the first movie is just a lot of fun. And then the second two, two movies are just like bizarre and weird and strange. And I love them. And, um, but it is, sometimes it can be hard to watch now because of, um, that, you know, the those problematic things. ass, yeah, those <laughs> things. So now there's news that we've been hearing about, like, a Pirates of the Caribbean reboot or, like, you know, sequels not featuring the original cast for a while. Um, and, uh, now it looks like there's news that Margot Robbie is going to be, uh, starring in a new movie that is not a remake or a reboot but is instead part of the Pirates of the Caribbean cinematic universe. Which yes! Is, it's like part of the shared universe, just like a standalone story in that shared universe, which I didn't think Pirates of the Caribbean cinematic universe was a thing I would ever say. But it's, and she's, uh, she's teaming up with her, I think, Birds of Prey? Director? Yeah, with the Birds of Prey screenwriter. Screenwriter. Um, Christina I Hudson, really, I think it is. What's her name, sorry? Christina Hudson, I think. I think I will double check that because yes. yes, Christina Hudson. Yes, um, I loved, loved, loved Birds of Prey. So I am very excited to see another project from that team up. Yeah, and I'm really excited that it's a woman um, because I think uh, Kira Knightley in that franchise, her character development was so, so, so good and. Like, she, like, I'm glad that by the end they were just focusing on her and were like, Orlando Bloom is boring. Because, like, <laughs> it, it is. And so I'm really glad to see, uh, I'm, I'm excited for this movie. I will, I will be seeing this movie absolutely in my home because I'm never going to a movie theater ever again. <laughs> 100% true. Yes. Yes. But moving on to, um, we have exciting news. We've been promising them for months. So we sent out our Patreon rewards Yay! probably three weeks ago at this point. So if you are U.S.-based, you should have received them by now. If you have not and you're a $5 or above subscriber, um, let us know because we can resend them because you should have received them. And I think I have tracking on all of them. Um, I did send them out with tracking, so I have that. And so let me know. Yeah, send us an email. They see geekgirls at gmail.com. You can just send uh -huh. us a note and let us know that you didn't receive um, your rewards. Because we have been seeing some of the pictures you all are posting. And it's so cute. And we love it. Yes. Some more. Um, okay. And on to, I'll let Preeti take this one. Since... Ooh, yeah. Okay. So 
the main crux of this episode, I think, is we want, and we've we've kind of like talked about it a little bit, but we want we both finished the Final Fantasy VII remake playthrough, and so we want to talk about it because, as you as you know, we are both like obsessed with this notion of story and canon, and Final Fantasy VII remake kind of turns everything on its head and is just a fascinating look. I think at what the potential of storytelling can be in this time where we're all obsessed with nostalgia and and going back through those old things that we love so much. I think it's like a, a mix of our obsession with the nostalgia and also the article we wrote or we wrote we discussed like two months ago by James Whitbrook mm-hmm. um, from IO9 on canon um, and like why putting canon above all else is like why it's becoming toxic. Um, and that's a great article, and I think that this really encapsulates what you and I have both been saying for a very long time. So with that being said, I think we're going to get into spoilers. So if yes. you have not finished the game and you're planning on it, um, this is a spoiler alert, and if you have played the original game and were like, oh, I know the story, I don't need a spoiler alert, this is still a spoiler alert. <laughs> yes, so this is a spoiler warned. alert. This is a spoiler Walk alert away. for the remake, not original Final Fantasy VII story. So. <laughs> but that's, so that's important, right? Is I think yes. we both, and and I wrote a piece about this for Sci-Fi that we'll link to in the show notes of, of how uh, interesting and innovative their decision-making was when it came to narrative. And, and I would argue gameplay because... You know, you're a very, very big Final Fantasy fan. I, I am, yeah. I, I was less so because I didn't like the mechanics of the gameplay. Like, I don't... I'm not like a huge fan of turn, turn-based turn RPGs. Like, I prefer very straightforward RPGs, which this was much... This was, like, a, a, a lovely hybrid of the yes, two, yes, I thought. Was. Yeah. Um, And so, it was... I, I, we came into it with like very, very different perspectives and expectations, I think, which I love because we're going to have surprisingly similar reactions, even though we came at it from such different experiences with the franchise as a whole. Yes. Um, but you finished first. So like kind of, I, I guess, talk, talk about that, like as a huge fan of the, the series, what this playthrough was like. So, um, I'm a, like, I'm a diehard, I think I own Final Fantasy VII on, like, three different platforms, like, I've, <laughs> I've bought it so many times, and I can't, will keep buying it, um, I love this game, I love, I will say that Final Fantasy X is my, like, ultimate, like, that's my favorite video game of all time, but Seven is a close, is very close, um, and near and dear to my heart, um, a lot of the time, I was actually texting you worrying that the game was too short. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. because, uh, you, because, um, and it is, for, I guess for a Final Fantasy game, it is kind of short. It's about 30 to 35 hours, depending on what you do. And I feel like the standard for a Final Fantasy game is about 50. Mm-hmm. So I guess it is kind of short. Um, there's been some really interesting talk in the gaming world lately about games either have to get more expensive or be shorter. Um, yeah. and I get that. And I would rather honestly games be more expensive um, I would pay, like, I would have paid, like, I get why they're releasing this the way they are. Like, yeah. I, I understand why um, you get about 30 hours for $60. Like, I get that, and I'm fine with that, knowing that there are sequels coming. Um, and we don't know how many. But I, I, I absolutely loved 
Like, I loved, like, there is not much about it I didn't love. Like, there is just, the, I think the gameplay was really good. The pacing was really good. The way they made it an open world um, was incredible. The characters and the new additions to character development were amazing. I really loved the little, little, little things between, like, Aerith and Cloud. Mm-hmm. Like, their relationship, whether you you know, are into Aerith and Cloud, Cloud and Tifa, or Aerith and Tifa, which I'm saying there's some subtext there. Wow, so much. Like, so I don't think you're wrong to be into that. Um, or no, I don't, I don't think you would be wrong to be into that ever, but to be, re- like, re- I meant to be, like, reading intense there on the there's parts like of the writers. Evidence. I don't think, yeah. There's textual evidence. There is. There absolutely is. Um, uh, but I... I I loved it. Um, and then the ending, like the, and then the ending. And so like, I'll let you jump in here too, because you didn't play the original Final Fantasy. I did not play the original Final Fantasy. I watched my cousin play it. I remember, um, because I didn't have a PlayStation growing up. We were, we were a Nintendo household and a Sega household, not a, not a PlayStation household. And, um, so I watched it. And to be clear, I played it on the PS, I played the PS1 game on the PS2 because I did not have a PS1. There was, so, so we watched my cousin play it, and I loved Advent Children when I was in undergrad. Like, I was a Which, huge... like, nobody likes except me and you. I know! <laughs> I mean, the story, I'm not saying, I'm not defending the story, I'm de- but the animation is The amazing. animation, I could not, based on the fact, like, when I was in undergrad, I, d- I was not super familiar with the story of Final Fantasy. So, like, I had no idea yeah. what was going on in that movie, but I watched it, like, eight thousand times anyways because i loved it i had like the bootleg version like all of that but i'm I'm laughing also because james whose uh article we referenced also was like i can't believe you included this in your conversation oh my god i love it (laughs) he's like no and i was like yes but you know so i went into it just knowing that i liked the uh, character look I liked the overall aesthetic and tone of what the story I felt like was which was yeah. like ethereal and strange and you know sort of magical but also sort of like very real world politicky in that kind of way uh, and so I didn't really know what to expect in terms of the gameplay or the story and I found out very quickly that I really 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 enjoyed it and the story in the remake is so fantastically compelling, right? Like Mm -hmm. they don't, they do that thing where you don't entirely know what's going on. So it, it mirrors the original pretty closely to a point, right? Yes. And then they extra character development here and there. Yeah. But generally speaking, it's very close to the original, except for one thing. They introduce these dementor looking things, which I was like, what the, fuck are these like what is surrounding Aerith what is creeping around in Cloud's room they look like Dementors but they're called Whispers I think or they're called Whispers uh they don't really fight you but you do have to fight them but then sometimes they save you like they help you get away from um when you're trying to save Aerith uh from the Turks like they help you get away in that moment and then you find out that these whispers, which are like literally embodied in the game, are actually there to maintain the integrity of the story of the original Final Fantasy yeah. Seven, 
that came out in 1997 or whatever. And that to me is just incredible work on the part of the creators where they're like, yes, you're going to get this reboot. You're going to get this remastered, like full capability of 2020 technology, this incredible game that you love so much, but you are going to think about why you want what you want and why you are so beholden to this single narrative while you play it. And I think the, the title of the game, Final Fantasy VII Remake, is the, is, it's not part one, it's not just Final Fantasy VII Remake, and we know there's multiple parts, at least one, there's probably more than one coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and the name of the game, I, th- I think, is really relevant because it, at the end of the game, what you do is you go up against destiny, basically. You go yes. up against fate, and you fight and you defeat fate, you defeat these whispers, so basically the future of the game and the way the storyline is going to go from here is open-ended. You, you know, like it's, it, it could go anywhere and it, it's, and there's also differences. Like people are talking about this as kind of an alternate reality Final Fantasy yeah. VII game because you find out at the very end of the game that Zack, who in the original game died and it's very impactful on Cloud, his death is alive. As which, far as we know. Yeah, which is wild because the whole concept of who Cloud is as a character is based on the fact that Zack dies. Zack is dead. So like, who is Cloud? Now? So who is Cloud oh. without that tragedy? And then in in the game, well, he glitches a lot. Like there's some there are these glitches that happen to Cloud, and you assume it's because of Zack and Zack's death, and it's not. And it now. might not be right. Yeah, like, we don't. So there's a lot of questions there, but the main issue here is then this is called a remake because it's a, almost a beat for beat remake of the first you know i don't know quarter of the i don't even know third of uh, final fantasy 7 and it's going to go other places from here so it's it's not going to the rest of the uh, game presumably is not going to be a remake or it might be if you make the choices like it might like it could very well be the story could be based on the choices you make from here on out and the choices you've made up till now and Some... you may have, like, control over what happens from here, which is super interesting. I mean, what's unknowable and what's interesting is, one, there are Sephiroth's role is greatly increased in this piece of the game yes. versus what it was like in the original. And Sephiroth's whole perspective of the way he interacts with Cloud is very interesting because it feels like he Sephiroth knows... knows it feels like Aerith knows something and it feels like even Zack has the potential to know something. Like we, there are characters who exist within the context of the game now who may have a meta understanding of the narrative. And so they're going to affect our outside gameplay. It, it's, do you remember the game for GameCube uh, Eternal Darkness? I do not. I, I know, I know the game. I don't, so eternal dark i loved eternal darkness like i don't like horror i don't like scary things but eternal darkness i liked because it engaged with the player at a level that was not necessarily seen from games at that time where it would um it would screw with your character but then it would also screw with you as a player like you i mean this is hella problematic but it had uh your character had an insanity meter And as you got less and less kind of, uh, for lack of better phrasing because of the game itself, um, sane, 
things would happen to your character in the game. I'm trying so, not like, to make that. I'm not trying not to make the grimace face. I know, like the grimace emoji face, which like, is like, Ugh. I know. It's it's like you know, this is 2000. Yeah, no, I don't totally. even know. Product what of now. its time. Product of its time. Did not age well. But, but what was what was interesting about the gameplay is as that happened. The game went from making your character go through things to making you as the player go through things. So, you know, first the your your avatar, your player would walk into a room and have a nightmare vision of themselves dying in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. But then as that as that meter sunk lower, there would be a fly on your screen, like like a real human size, like you know, life sized fly crawling on the screen, and you'd get up to swatted away and it's in the game like it would go or the game would go blue screen of death and you would think that like you'd lost all your thing but no it was just the game screwing with you and i think yeah it, it was a it was a very interesting way and and i thought like really fun way of changing your relationship to the video game and i think this is doing something similar in that it's making you be a conscious participant in your in cloud story in a way yeah. that we haven't necessarily seen from these reboots or remakes or whatever they are of our favorite franchises and i just and think I that's wonder, like fascinating like i think about the possibilities and we don't know how they're going to handle it from here so right. this is just me speculating but i do think it's super interesting if you put um players in a position where they can save Aerith. yes um, because who? How many people are gonna let her die? Because that's what canon says. That's Do you know what, what I mean? The story is. No, that's, absolutely. I like, and I think that I think that in and of itself is fascinating because so many people are like, but canon. Like she and has to die. Like that's I've heard that that's from the several story. Things. Yeah, but that's the story. That's the that's the sacrifice that makes Final Fantasy VII and a lot of people's minds so tragic and so moving and so meaningful is that she dies. But what if she doesn't? What if I, she doesn't? I think the story is still meaningful if she doesn't. Agreed. And um, I would, I just, I, like, w- women don't have to die for something to be meaningful. Like, I just, like, I, and I, I, I'm not saying that pe- the people who feel that way about the story are making that equivalence. Like, that's not, but it's also, let's find a, can we find a different way to make this meaningful? Yeah, and I think that's the point, right? It is, it is forcing us to interrogate our relationship to specific tropes or specific ideas and what they've meant in our in our canon of mm-hmm. story and our canon of narrative and why we're so tied to that notion right like yeah you think about how in spider-man the truths are that uncle ben needs to get killed for peter to become spider-man like for for for, to, for him to become the hero gwen has to die like all these truths, but then you see like, and then they don't, right? There are universes upon universes in which these characters live and how that has impacted the the story of this superhero. And I think it's- It's a little bit of what Inter- Into the Spider-Verse did. Yeah. But in a different way, because they, um, there were all, they were drawing from alternate universes for it to happen, whereas this, this is happening in, and perhaps an alternate universe from the original Final Fantasy VII, but all within a single universe, as far as we can tell. Yeah. What's happening in the game? It's just so. It's just so such a novel idea of how to give us something that we love and give us something that's familiar, but make us really think about what it is 
that we loved about that thing. Because it's true. Like, if Zach doesn't die, Cloud is a different person. Cloud literally, like, doesn't exist in the same way because he exists in Final Fantasy VII, the original, as a kind of composite like of who Zach was and who he was. And he doesn't even know it. And he doesn't realize it. And so that's and that's the linchpin of how Sephiroth can get to him by telling him he's not real, right? Yep. And that being taken out of the equation, what does that mean and for I that think side? Sephiroth, what does it mean? Yeah, I, I agree completely. And what does also it mean that it almost feels like Sephiroth's goals might be different here from what we've seen yes, of him. Like, I I'm not sure that he's going to be the big bad villain. I, I, I don't know that he's not going to, like, he and Cloud aren't going to team up at some point as, like, a, he's he might become more of an anti-hero than, do you, I, I don't know. Do you have any, as, as the, as the like, true knowledge bearer, like, do you have any sort of reaction to that whole seven, seven seconds uh, reference that Sephiroth makes? Like, I, I did not know what to make of that at all. I don't think so, but it's honestly, it's been... A long time yeah. since I've played through Final Fantasy VII, so I can't really like I can't really say for certain. But um, I I think yes, there's a like the idea of transforming Sephiroth, um, which granted, like he's I don't know that he's a redeemable character, and I don't right. I don't think <laughs> he should be redeemable. But I'm saying he doesn't have to be necessarily the big bad villain. Well, so after I played the game, um, my sister and I did a watch of a playthrough of Crisis Core, which is Zack's story and, yeah, and, yeah. and gives us context of all of what, how kind of Cloud was through, through Zack Fair's story. And you see who Sephiroth was before he found out the truth about his background. And he believed wholeheartedly in his mission with Shinra and like, like, arguably, it feels like, within the context of this game, like, Shinra, Shinra was the big bad. Like, yeah. Sephiroth was, like, terrifying. Don't get me wrong. He was terrifying, and he was, like, every time he showed up on screen and Cloud kind of glitched or, or had that that um, moment of, like, PTSD being triggered, he was absolutely so scary. But the fact that your big fight isn't really Sephiroth, your big fight is Destiny. Your yeah. big fight is fate. Your big fight is going up against expectations of yeah. what you're supposed to be. And that is the most interesting thing to me about right. this this game. Exactly. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so good. And I'm really looking forward to, like, I don't think we even have, like, a release date. God, and, like, yeah, it's like five it's years out. Yeah, actually. we don't have a release date for a sequel. Like, it wasn't even, like, teased at the, like, PlayStation 5 announcement. Well, but so. we, didn't, we didn't talk about the big Miles Morales Oh, game. yeah! Okay, so there was, yeah, we should have talked about this at news. So, yeah, they teased a Miles Morales ah! game. It's... <laughs> It's a been, there's been a little bit of confusion about what it is because like this president of Sony said one thing and then the studio said something else and it's just it's a mess. But from what I understand, it is a standalone game, yes. standalone standalone story within a like it's a it's a like it, the best the best equivalent I've found is the Uncharted like the Uncharted not really spinoff not really it was a standalone game but it was also sort of an add-on like it, it exists in this weird in-between place but it is a standalone story 
and a standalone game, and it will be something like half the length of the Spider-Man original PS4 game. Which is still pretty, that's still a pretty long game, because the original, yeah. I mean, that Spider-Man game is one of the best games, and one of, a, another one of the best, like, narratives I think I've ever played through, and what, like, might be my favorite Spider-Man movie. But there is so much potential for story within that spider universe. Yeah, so I think it's that it's something like it's within it's within the same universe, and it's quite possibly um, going to be not DLC, but sort of an add-on to that game. I think they're building. I wonder if they're building it. Yeah, I think they're building it probably on the same platform and in the same city, but it's going to be its own game. Yeah, I mean, and it looks it looks better than. Like, the graphics already look better yeah. than the original, and those graphics are great. Um, but either way, I'm really excited. I think it's high time for Miles to yes. have his own game, and I think that's it, really great what they're doing. And, um, yeah, there was a lot of stuff at that reveal I was really excited about. So we, much. Yeah. So I'm definitely buying a PS5 at this point. After Ugh. All that stuff. <laughs> I'm so <I> sad. <laughs> I'm like... Uh, I got so many because I was live tweeting the announcement. I got so many questions of, but can we play these games on our PS4? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I like no. this is the way consoles work. It sucks. I agree, but like, please let. It. I mean, because I played, I played Breath of the Wild on my Wii U. Like, I didn't have a Switch when I got Breath of the Wild, and it was fun. It was fine. So that's all I want. Let me have this. Give it to me. Backwards compatibility. Um. Sony's like, no. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> I wish it did, honestly. Like, I wish we weren't so tied to consoles, but it's, that's, that's, it's... It's a whole other conversation for yeah. a whole other day. Um, but... So we want to talk briefly about the new um, Netflix movie. Lovebirds. Lovebirds. We both watched it. It was very cute. It's uh, Issa Rae, Kamel Nanjiani. It was, like... I, I thought it was, um, I laughed out loud i did a netflix party with a few friends and i laughed out loud so many times like it was they, just very enjoyable very light-hearted but they didn't shy away from the race aspects of it which it's a black woman and a um you know south asian man like they didn't shy away from that and that was really nice i thought it was very 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 funny i I thought the plot was pretty weak, but it didn't oh, matter. Oh, yeah, the plot was the weak, plot but it didn't like, matter. Whatever. The plot but... was like, they don't, we don't care about the plot. Nobody's tuning exactly. into this movie to see the plot, which <laughs> is like, just... accurate. They're both very, very funny people, and so and their it was, chemistry was really good. Their chemistry was great, but it was like kind of the movie that's like joke to joke to joke to joke. Absolutely. Which was like fine and perfect for what I want from a movie starring Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah. Like there are so there's there are some things in that movie that I'm still thinking about and laughing. Yeah, you posted the um that that the like queen joke. Yes, crying, crying. There's one point still where thinking. he's um like because they show up to like a dinner party that they're supposed to be at, and one of the guests is like, "Is that blood on your face?" And Kyle's like, "You big disgrace!" Like. He's literally like, yeah, it's a big disgrace. And yeah. I, like, lost my mind when I was watching it. I was like, that's the funniest shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> He's, it's just there were, there were a lot of moments of that. And, like, there's, like, one, like, there's one point where a lot of these movies, I feel like I'm like, okay, but this, all of this could be solved if you just went to the police and yes. 
you're not like and it's just like a plot device to not go to the police and in this movie it's two people like it's two people of color they're like no they're no no we're not going to the police and it's like very like very well done and very, very um, well done. yeah but so that's on netflix now you can yeah. check it out um, yeah, recommend. I don't really have a lot to say, but I just, I really enjoyed it, and um, I highly recommend it, and it's really funny, and... Um, All right. Yeah. What, what are, are what are we into this month? Um, I'm doing... I, I finished Assassin's Creed Origins. I really liked the gameplay. The story was fine. I'm, do we, I'm on Assassin's Creed Odyssey now, and it is so much better. So I really enjoyed Origins, and I'm glad I played it first, but Odyssey is, like, so much better in terms of, like, in every way. Like, in terms of gameplay, the character's better, the story's better, um, in every way except setting. Like, I think the settings of both are incredibly well done and detailed and massive and beautiful, but I'm really excited for the new game coming out, Valhalla, later this year. Uh, I'm laughing because I'm also kind of playing Odyssey, by which I mean I killed the wrong person two weeks ago and an entire camp of soldiers came after yep, me. Yeah, that happens. And I turned the game off and I have not turned it on since. <laughs> that happens. Um, I will say, I feel like the first few hours are hard. Like, they were so much harder. Like, once I've leveled hard. up, once you level up, it's really you just have to le level up a little bit and do some of the smaller quests and then now like everything is really easy that's what my brother said so I'm, yeah. I'm going to i'm gonna go back to it i'm gonna go back to it i will i just i need i i don't like like anxiety inducing and i was yeah. like it was basically me being like ah <laughs> like screaming yeah. and running and i was like fuck this and i turned it yeah. off <laughs> um but i highly recommend also if you have kids that are you're trying to keep entertained um there are these games have and they're like 15 dollars, and they have explorer modes where it turns off all the battle it turns off all the story and you just basically can like get on your horse and ride around and look at like ancient greece and ancient egypt and i think that's a really cool and I'm, it's called discovery mode i think but i think that's really cool and yeah like you can't die so you can like like the underwater environments are supposedly super super detailed but i haven't spent much time down there because you know you can only hold your breath so long but um like it's just it's a really cool way to explore so you know you can justify That's... buying these games because you can get them on sale for like 15 dollars. yeah i got the um, entirety got, for yeah. 15 i think i got like the 99 dollar like gold super edition with all yeah. the dlc for like 15 bucks and so um what are you into? i am very into uh korean dramas on netflix right now i'm watching two the first one is let's eat which is kind of a problem because they're constantly eating food that just looks so good and we can't get any of it right now. Um, and it's kind of about like singles and like various stages of your life. Like it's a romantic comedy. And then the other one is called, but this is my first life, which I just started and I'm only, I'm like six episodes into, uh, and it's about this girl and guy who <laughs> accidentally become roommates and don't realize that they're living together because their schedules are so off, but then it turns out they're great roommates, and so they decide to get married for financial reasons. <laughs> it's basically like, and they were roommates meme, <laughs> but an entire romantic comedy drama made out of it, but I actually genuinely love every single character on it. I love every storyline. It's so good and so smart, and they handle, like, the gender stuff really well and like kind of like 
relationships uh, the relationship stuff really well so far so i well more to come but i've been really enjoying that one and then of course like my life is still animal crossing yeah i'm thinking of restarting do it i will send you so many tanukis i know i may invite you over to my island to come like grab what you want before i restart though Ooh, yeah you want anything yeah i may do that we'll see um okay so we are part of the hard knock life podcast network you can find all the podcasts in the hard knock media family at hardknockmedia.com or as you can say https colon backslash backslash hardknockmedia.com today we want to shout out hard knock life whose june 22nd episode is all about this virtual con season uh and of course our patreon supporters thank you to meredith Ronnie and Maya at the $12 level, and Jordan, Annie, Brandy, Gayatri, Jerome, Claire, Brian, Robert, Sylvia, Chris, the Knott family, and Priya at the $5 level. And again, if you are a $5 level and above and you live in the U.S. and you have not received your pin and sticker or stickers or however, um, whatever level you are supposed to receive, um, email us at daisygeekgirls.com and let's mm-hmm. uh, girls at gmail.com at gmail.com what's our email address um you can find us on twitter at daisy geek girls and i am at romance kizzers and i am at s krishna uh we do want to take a second to say because everything is happening and a lot of amazing movement happening with these incredible uh protesters and and actual change is being enacted that we both fully fully endorse black lives matter and we are linking to an article that will have places to donate to support the black community and the movement for police reform and abolition. Yes, you will find that um, in the show notes. Um, and until next time. We'll see you in see hell. See you in hell. Yeah. <laughs>